You are listening to us, Unscripted Stories, brought to you by Northwestern University's Multicultural Student Affairs. We are recording at the traditional homelands of the people of the Council of Three Fires, the Ojibwe, Potawatomi, and Adawa, as well as the Menominee, Miami, and Ho-Chunk Nations. (laughs) (laughs) All right, on that note, um, we'd like to welcome you in. My name is Vishnavina Gopal. I am uh, one of the graduate assistants working with the Office of Multicultural Student Affairs. Um, I'm here with Aaron Golding, my co-host, um, one of the assistant directors. Hello. We're here um, working with the Native and Indigenous community on campus. And, drum roll, real quick, you can't even hear that on the uh, mic. Um, but very excited to introduce to you um, my former advisor, uh, mentor, a friend, um, Christine Montagnu. Um, Do you want to introduce yourself, Christine? Sure. Hi, I'm Christine Montagnu. She, her, hers. I'm one of the assistant directors in Multicultural Student Affairs, and I work with the APIDA community, which stands for Asian, Pacific Islander, and Desi American. Word. That's great. Where do you work out of? Where can can folks find you? Um, I'm on the first floor of the Multicultural Center, um, and I'm the first office that you see when you walk in, kind of, so... Um, oftentimes if there's not someone at the front desk, I end up being like the front desk person. All right, Christine, where is home for you? Yeah, so I grew up in New Jersey, um, in like the suburbs of Jersey, right by Rutgers University, but I went to East Brunswick, I was from East Brunswick. Um, but I, that's not really home for me anymore, um, because my parents moved to Japan. So my mom is originally from Japan. Um, and then like growing up every other summer, basically me and my sister and my mom would like go to Japan in the summers and their school years like, um, is different from the American school year. So they like go to school in the summer. So I would be like going to Japan for summer break and then like get enrolled in the school. <laughs> um, yeah. So it was like, oh, I have Kumon and like <laughs> J- Japan school. <laughs> Um, So I kind of consider Japan home now, though, um, because um, I had moved to Chicago in like 2008 um, because my dad was out here. Um, But then eventually my dad's job transferred him to their Tokyo office. And this was right around when my sister was graduating from Rutgers. Um, She and my mom were still in New Jersey. So when my um, dad got transferred to the Tokyo office for work, my mom was like, hell yeah. We're moving back to Japan, (laughs) no more New Jersey. Um, So they sold, she sold, they sold the house that we had in New Jersey that I grew up in. Um, And then my sister moved to Chicago to live with me. And then my parents went to Japan. Um, But then eventually um, my parents ended up moving in with my grandmother who lives in like this small town uh, outside of Kobe, kind of like over the mountains from Kobe. Um, So that's like where I would go every summer growing up. um, And that's where my mom and grandma both live now. And that's um, where I go like during winter break. I try to go there because New Year's is like a really big holiday in Japan. So that's kind of home now, even though it's not someplace I ever like grew up in. But it's where my grandma is, where my mom is. It's familiar um, in a way that like I don't have my the home that I grew up in in New Jersey anymore. Um, But I do kind of consider Chicago home, too. Um. I think, you know, I'd moved here without, like, I mean, my dad was here just temporarily, but, like, didn't know anybody, didn't have, like, a community or family here. Um, And then through my um, previous position from Northwestern, I found, like, a community that really grounds me and makes me feel like this is home. So can you tell us a little bit about what led you to this particular role and what you found interesting about 
um, working here at Northwestern? Yeah, so I didn't know student affairs was like a field at all. Um, I remember when I was in college, I don't remember any like adult presence beyond my professor. So I didn't know there was like this whole industry of like adults at colleges that like take care of you, (laughs) you know, like the only, (laughs) yeah, yeah. the only like student (laughs) affairs professional I remember was like the scary study abroad lady where like you needed to have your shit together if you were going to go abroad. That's like the only student affairs (laughs) professional I remember. So yeah, so I don't like, I was like, there were no adults. So now, you know, being an adult and I'm like, liability, like, please don't do (laughs) these things. Um, But yeah, so I didn't know it was a field. Um, So I was working at the Japanese American Citizens League. There's an office in Chicago um, where I was doing a lot of like work with young people, especially like college age students around um, identity and community and history and all of that. Um, And then I, I don't know, I think like I just happened to stumble upon this job posting um, and I was like, what? Like, this is a job? Like, <laughs> yeah. what? Um, so that's kind of how I found, like, I don't know, tripped my way into this position. Cool. It can happen to you too, folks. <laughs> um. Yeah, it is a job. Because, <laughs> you know, especially in nonprofit, you, like, end up doing everything. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I was doing the stuff I really liked with working with young people, but I was also doing, like, grants and like I don't know every other random thing um so it was like oh this is something that's just working with college-age students that's really exciting yeah what is it do you think about working with college-age students that's um appealing to you like what's what it's something about the age or what where they are um that you like or are excited about yeah I well I think part of it is just like um, just being so impressed with where students are at and like where, what they're thinking about, especially around identity. Like I, you know, when I was in college, I like didn't even know Asian American was like a term. Um, I was like, oh, am I like Asian or am I American? Like, you know, and I think that was complicated by being mixed race, but, um, didn't really know that that was like a concept or like a history or a community. So I think like, A, I have a lot of, um, I don't know, like empathy for the students that are like, I'm not sure, I'm still trying to figure this out, as well as just like so much awe for the students that are like, yeah, like I'm here, let's like fuck shit up. Like I'm gonna crush it. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. When you were in college, like what experiences were you seeking um, that has um, helped inform the work that you're doing here now? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So like I said, I didn't know Asian American was like a term or a concept. Um, My parents are both immigrants. My dad came from Romania, and I always say this, but he's like a very bitter Eastern European. (laughs) Um, And then my mom is from Japan um, and moved here um, like after college to marry my dad. Um, So I think like I didn't really have a grounding in Asian American history. Um, When I worked at the JACL, so much of their work is around the incarceration experience and kind of resettlement, redress, like that legacy. And that's not something that was in my family history either. So, you know, my understanding of being Asian American was like that the child of immigrant experience, which I think was, you know, reflected around me in New Jersey too. Um, There were a lot of Asian Americans in my community where I grew up, mostly Chinese, Korean, um, Indian. So I, I, you know, and being 
second generation Japanese American that was like I related to that experience of like oh yeah my like entire extended family is in Japan or you know in the homeland the motherland whatever um yeah so I, I think um because I had this ex- a I think being mixed race um I think having this experience of like summers in Japan um you know, Japanese school on Sundays, um, this kind of like extended Japanese expat community that I was connected to in New Jersey felt very distinct from like my Monday to Friday going to high school or like, you know, life in New Jersey. Mm -hmm. It felt like two, just two separate communities, identities, like everything. Um, So I think even going to college, I think I was like grappling like, oh, can I be like a Japanese person in Japan or can I be you know, not white necessarily, but like an American in America. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think I was seeking out like, you know, I took Japanese language classes. I did some summer internships in Japan, trying to grapple with like, okay, I didn't grow up in Japan. I don't know a lot of the culture. My language skills aren't super great, uh, but like maybe I can do this. Um, versus I, I think, again, not having the grounding in like Asian American identity, like this isn't working in the US, like mm-hmm. something's weird, right? Yeah. I didn't even have... Um, language to name like model minority or perpetual foreigner I didn't Mm -hmm. know those were concepts but I felt them all the time so um I think just I don't know part I think part of what I'm really interested in is like how do you bridge the gap between cultural or ethnic identity right um so like Japanese or Korean or whatever um to like a racialized politicized Asian American or APIDA identity Mm -hmm. um because that's something I didn't experience until after college but I think you know, especially at Northwestern, given the demographics, it's like a good, and you know, that we have an Asian American studies program. I think it's a really fertile place to do that type of exploration. Mm -hmm. Um, Can you, so I think you got into it a little bit there, but can, I know the two of us have talked about how sometimes students don't recognize like the power in being able to identify as this larger group. Um, It becomes a lot of like, well, I'm from India and you're from China and you're from Korea, like when you're from the Philippines, like how do we have anything in common? Um, But can, I guess, can you talk a little bit more about uh, the power of being able to identify as a bigger group and like what that can kind of look like and do? Uh, yeah, that's hard. Cause <laughs> I think, I mean, even umbrella, the umbrella terms we use are like constantly being negotiated mm-hmm. and challenged, mm-hmm. right? Um, the inclusion of Pacific Islanders um, or even like calling out Desi as a separate identity mm-hmm. and within a PETA. Um, so I, I mean, I, I'm not sure I have the answer to that. I feel like that's like an Asian something that we're studies. working to yeah. open up and figure out. Okay, yeah. fair enough. But I mean, I think there is like um, power in connecting across common experiences mm-hmm. while recognizing that there's still so much diversity um, and you know different histories, different I don't know like impacts of U.S. imperialism, all that stuff on all, on different identities and communities within the PETA umbrella. For sure. Is there anything else you'd want? Yeah, or do you want people to know? Um, no, I mean, this is stuff I really like talking about. I love talking about identity. Um, and like, yeah, so I think that I'm here as a resource to talk about that stuff because um, I think it's like really fascinating and I think everybody's kind of like journey is different. Um, and hearing about that is so interesting. Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, what kind of like, since you like talking about identity, what kind of spaces do you create to foster that kind of conversation with students? Yeah. Well, I feel like Vishnu could talk about this more, but, um, we have like a, I don't know, four times a quarter. What is that? Why quad quarterly? I said bi-monthly when someone asked. Oh, okay. But like, I guess bi-monthly is like, is it once every two months or <laughs> twice a month? So, yeah. Tw- yeah. It's twice a month, roughly. That's <laughs> <laughs> what we're saying. Uh, but a, a program, a, like the discussion series called Solidarity, where we serve tea. That's why there's a tea there. It's a pun. It's a pun. <laughs> Um, so yeah, we talk about different issues from like an APIDA lens, right? So we talked about like affirmative action, um, like family dynamics, um, intersections between APIDA communities and LGBTQ communities, um, anti-blackness. Um, so I think that's like a really, um, open and welcoming space. Like you don't need to have a lot of like background knowledge to come in. It's really about folks sharing their experiences and learning from each other. Mm-hmm. And building that community that we were talking exactly. about. I think mm-hmm. part of what you were touching on is how difficult it is to be like, should we have this umbrella term? What is, where does this come from? Why do we need it? Why don't we need it? Um, and I think one of the things that I've really enjoyed about that space is that like we have been in constant conversation about like, how do we build a space where that is a thing that people actively do mm-hmm. kind of want to come in and take on and, and stand under. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's been a lovely experience building that with you this year, Christine. Oh yeah, you did a good job. Anything else? Great. Yeah. Anything else you want? Anyone to know? No. <laughs> I have a cat named Peta. You can ask about her. <laughs> <laughs> he likes um, to eat all kinds of things. Yes, mangoes and amame and potatoes and plastic. <laughs> <laughs> potatoes and plastic. Uh huh. Thank you for listening to us on Scripted Stories. You can find our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, and Spotify. Support for this podcast is provided by Joe Scaletti, Emma Salen, Sydney Hastings-Smith, Saeed Resco, Alex Mana, Austin Gardner, Rafael Contreras, Juliet Sparza, with support from Vishnu Venagopal, Linda Luck, and Aaron Golding. Subscribe to hear more from us.